Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to a new episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada is one of the hottest Dodger prospects. I, I know you guys hear his name all the time whenever they talk about prospects. Uh, that is Dalton Rushing. Dalton, uh, ¿cómo estás, amigo? <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? Bien. There, ah, there we go. You're learning. Hey, Dalton, yeah. real quick. How uh, how prevalent is the Spanish down in uh, in Great Lakes? Honestly, we have a few guys that uh, are pretty close to bilingual. They got, like, Latin guys are learning very quickly, like how, like, English. We obviously pick up phrases and all. It's, I don't know. I feel like everyone kind of adapts to whatever in the moment um you learn it pretty easily though with certain like pitchers we have like we have a few pitchers that are like will help you out with your spanish like on the field in the clubhouse whatever it may be uh so it makes it a little easier you know as a catcher when you're working with a pitcher and you guys i mean obviously you guys got to be on the same page but yeah. when language is actually a barrier like how do you yeah. work around that it was last year was the the month that I had in Rancho and then last few games in Great Lakes. It was a little tougher. I had like zero Spanish under my belt. And so like now it's like I've picked up like certain phrases, whatever phrases I need to know to like speak to a pitcher within like 30 seconds we have in a mound visit or whatever. Uh, so like I, I even have them like <laughs> on my wristband. Like I put little phrases on there for like certain things. All right, this is what I need to tell them. And that's this is how you say it. And uh, it's helped a lot for sure. Uh, how? Which one gives you the hardest? Which one was hardest to learn? Which uh, Spanish vernacular for pitchers did you go? Oh man, come on! Is there another way to say this? Well, I mean, I can't really pick one out. I mean, obviously, like pitch names like are pretty similar. Like uh-huh. other things, like a fastball recta. Like that's yeah, that's pretty basic. Like that kind of stuff. I think it was when I started to remember like location based like if i wanted to try and explain to someone i don't want this here i want it here like if that makes Uh sense like being able to learn like the location like how to say that in there like in spanish it it became a little tough at times but it's gotten easier and easier every day so when you were playing baseball in high school did no one ever explain to you hey you you have to take spanish class seriously man (laughs) because you're gonna need this uh in your career 
Uh, yeah, I took one year of Spanish in high school and then one year in college. And it was, in all honesty, I, I did not have the greatest teachers. So it was like <laughs> in high school, she was, she'd give you a sheet of paper every day. You just show up and you're like, all right, well, I'm not really learning Spanish. But I think it's been easier to learn, like obviously being around the guys now rather than sitting in a classroom and studying it hours on end. You know, I, I think that's one of the things uh, that I don't think is talked enough about because to me, the great where the sport is really growing is internationally. So before yeah. all you had to worry about was, all right, I got to learn Spanish, but eventually yeah. these guys are going to learn English and we'll be fine. Yeah, but exactly. now you may have a Korean guy on your staff. You yeah. may have a Japanese guy on your staff. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to be multilingual there. I agree. I agree. Especially like talking about like Japanese, like that, that's something that's crazy. That's a different language that not many people know how to speak. Like in the U S we have a, uh, we have a Japanese trainer in great lakes right now. And of course, like you see like the Shohei Otani's of baseball and everyone talk, like he has his translator go every single step with them as it's a crazy side that like major league baseball is starting to tend towards. Um, you're having more and more Japanese players play in major league baseball every single day. I, I wanted to ask you, Dalton, uh, when you are sitting there in, in the minor leagues and you, you see all this interaction, we just recently were in Rancho Cucamonga and we saw the rehab start that Julio Urias had. And I had never seen this before, but literally everybody on the team was watching this guy throw a bullpen. Yeah. And I had asked Julio afterwards, I was like, how did that make you feel? And he was just like... Hey man, I would have done the same thing if when I was a young guy, whenever Kershaw yeah. or someone else oh, was yeah. coming down there. And it was about learning a routine. Yes, correct. I mean, you you mentioned it. You've only you were in Rancho for a month. Now you're in Great Lakes. Is that what the biggest adjustment is? Is you learning a routine, a major league routine? Yeah, I think I think it's like it varies for everyone. Um I think for college guys, it's a little easier. Like you did this kind of every day going throughout three years of school, whatever it may be. Uh, and so you had like a routine, like kind of set up for in season, like off season, whatever the case is. Um, you kind of know what you're going in, what time you're going in, when you're doing this, when you're doing that and how you're getting prepared to play. Um, I do think like for younger Latin guys, like stepping into pro ball, like that's tough. That's a big thing they have to learn because it's no longer just show up to the baseball field and just play for hours on end. It's like you actually have to take care of your body. Like you're getting there at a certain time to work out before or whatever. Uh, everyone's schedule is different. But um, I do think the like having a schedule based in professional baseball is like night and day for guys. If you can figure it out, things are going to go your way a lot more than they would if you're just showing up at a different time every single day with no schedule. Is that a very American thing, that whole schedule and devoting, no. like, the whole thing? Like, I'm curious. You just mentioned it right now. Like, I wonder if those routines are very well established in the Mexican League or in the Japanese League. Like, I bet you those Mexican guys, I mean, once they're done playing baseball, they go get tacos, and then they go go party <laughs> it up, and then it's just like, all right, we got to play another no. game tomorrow. No, I'm never I'm never a guy to say someone has to have a certain routine because I've seen I've played with multiple guys. Some guys can just show up right before game time, throw their stuff on, boom, they'll be th they'll be three for four for the day. But like, there's other guys that have routines that they follow each and every day. I mean, for instance, like what was it a month ago? Kershaw comes out and Kershaw tells that for the last ten years he's been doing the same thing on every day that he pitches. 
for the last 10 years. And it's, that's something that opens guys eyes. And some guys are like, Oh, I need this routine. No, you necessarily don't need a routine. But I think for guys like that, you see, he's just had his 10th all-star guys fight for 10 years in the big leagues. He just had his 10th all-star. That's unbelievable. So, uh, like, obviously it shows it, it can help you in the long run for sure. I mean, look, you're a catcher. When Kershaw shows up, how much of you is like, I got to play it cool. I can't look like a rookie here. But I, I mean, look, I, I've been in the clubhouse with that guy. I think that dude is intimidating because I feel like, you know, he's a dude that I don't feel like he just likes to shoot the shit, right? Or stuff like that. So how w- did you find him approachable? Were you able to have any meaningful conversations with him where you, you learned something from him? Uh, it was like right after the draft, I go to LA. Uh, it was actually the short season in Rancho go there for a weekend, get to watch him play the D backs. And, um, so he wasn't pitching on the day I go in take BP with the team and all, but he was doing it like he was working out for like his weekly schedule or whatever for his next schedule start. And that was the first time ever truly like talking to him face to face and craziest thing. He comes up, he introduces himself, which is like, and a guy like myself and those in that situation, like, Oh my God, Clayton Kershaw just came up to you and introduced yourself. Like, isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Um, but no, I mean, he's just, he's down to earth. He's about his business after he introduced himself, short conversation, just baseball wise. And then he moves right on going back to his business, I guess you could say. And, um, that's something it's an eye opener for everyone. You're like, wow, like he means it he's not throwing today he knows he's gonna be sitting in that dugout for not nine innings but like he has to get this taken care of so uh that that stands out a lot i think for like myself is like just how committed and obviously like everyone knows to be a 10-time all-star you've got to be pretty committed so let me have you after you had that meeting did you dream of the day that you'd be catching clayton kershaw at dodger stadium and you can go up to the mound and be like dude what the hell is your problem don't you ever shake me off ever again <laughs> if i'm calling for this pitch that's the pitch you're throwing no i think uh i think if clayton kershaw shakes me off i think he has a very very good reason behind it so uh I, I'm, I'm gonna ride with him nine times out of ten so you're fresh off of playing in the Futures game at the All-Star Weekend up in Seattle. How was that experience about uh, for you? It was pretty cool. <clears throat> it was like, it was very eye-opening because, uh, I mean, there's been three or four guys from that game s- since last week that just got called up. So uh, those guys turn around, they play in a Futures game. Next thing you know, they're big leaguers. And, I mean, obviously their careers have been started for a couple more years in uh, professional baseball, but, like, it just kind of shows you, hey, you're on the same field as them. You were playing in the same game. Um, it's kind of a wake-up call. Uh, I wouldn't take it too much of, of like, it's an honor, but um, it's something you can't really just run away with and, like, use it as a label. It's not really what the game's all about. It's trying to put you around players that you could possibly be playing against five years down the road. Um, no, the experience as a whole was unreal. The, I mean, just speaking about Seattle, itself weather was beautiful the four days we were there um and then of course the game was seven innings so it ran by pretty quick but uh being on the same field with some of those guys was uh pretty special is there ever a sense of competition in those types of like you're measuring yourself up or where you sit there and you go oh i've heard of you Let, let's see how good you are like yeah. any pitchers that you face in that like, i i i mean uh, 
people have said, you know, back in the day, this is old man talking here, like, oh, you're not supposed to fraternize with the guys that you're playing with. But I think like travel ball and all those AAU camps have changed things because yeah. you kind of grow up with these guys, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get, I mean, I get there. And of course you have your, like your Jackson holidays that are playing in the game. You're like, wow, this guy's 19 years old. I want to. I want to watch him play. I've never got to see him play in person. Um, so that was pretty cool. Like, see a 19-year-old go out there and just go about his business like he's 25 and he's ready to debut. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty special. I think, like, there were other sides to it. Those were, there were guys that stepped in there on the mound and, like, they had been in organizations for a while, Rather whether they were high prospect guys or they were just fight, fighting for a big league spot. And, um I think that was pretty cool. They were going out there with like the same competing mindset. They didn't really change it to, hey, this is an all-star game. Let's just go out and just throw our one inning and be done. Um, and from a hitter side, like when I stepped in the box, it was like, all right, it's an all-star game. Like you're not going up here ambushing things. Or if you are, you have one thing on mind, trying to hit a homer. There was still situational baseball. Um, <clears throat> you're still like going about your bats the same way, like whether it was game 50 of the season uh in great lakes like it's it's the same game like just go out there and just swing it just play baseball uh that i think that was the coolest thing nobody really treated it like a true big league all-star game everybody was playing with like a purpose i i, I wanted to ask you because you spent such a, a small amount of time at rancho i mean your numbers at rancho were ridiculous i mean you absolutely killed it what was that transition like from rancho to to great lakes like what was the biggest adjustment for you there? I mean, <clears throat> taking you take the uh, weather out of it. You're you're playing. I mean, that's of course everybody knows Midwest League's tough. The first month, month and a half of the season, it's um, not a very like hitter friendly park or anywhere in the league isn't very hitter friendly. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still baseball, and um, I think our number one goal getting into Great Lakes was just win games. We know it's freezing cold just win as many games as we possibly can. And we've done, we've done a pretty good job of it. Not trying to worry about, Oh, I'm hitting this or I'm hitting that. Like it, it, it sucks like hitting in the cold the first month. I'll, I'll just go out and say it. But um, the transition from Rancho to great lakes, I think for myself was like just the way guys pitch you and Rancho, like everyone's in there. They're trying to show how good their stuff is. They're like, Oh, I can throw a hundred. Um, and I kind of have a slider kind of don't, uh, but I, I can throw 100. So there's a lot of fastballs in the Great Lakes League. And then you, then you get to – or in Rancho, and then you get to Great Lakes, and you're seeing like, oh, I'm going up to bat, and I don't see a single fastball for three at bats. Like guys are trying to pitch a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a little bit of a like transition as far as like what you're getting. You're not going to just get fed fastballs. Uh, you have to really like stick to your hit tool. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's – your pitching's not drastically differently. It's just how you're approached as a hitter. I think that would be the biggest difference for myself. Have you always been a catcher going back to your, your high school days? High school. Yes. I caught all four years in high school, caught all the way growing up until I was a freshman in college. Mm -hmm. I got, got to college and it was like Henry's there and it's like, all right, well, Henry's catching first two years. He basically catches. I caught a little bit my sophomore year. Um, but still caught like in the fall scrimmages and all. So it wasn't like I ever shied away from it. And then junior year came around and of course, like Henry had been drafted and it was like time to step up. So that was like my first full season of catching and then getting into 
pro ball, obviously this is my first full season of like being behind the plate. So have they, would you, are you comfortable at any other position other than catcher? I've told them like, it, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Like whatever they want to do, if, I would love to stay behind the plate. I love catching. I feel like there's always room for growth. Um, you're always able to work on something. There's always like something you can improve in. So I always like that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like every guy's going to say this, but whatever they want me to play for you to be able to move through a system and be successful at the big league level, like I'm totally fine with. So I'm pretty open to whatever they'd like to do. And if they want me to stay behind the plate, I'll do everything I can. Because the Dodgers are known for that. They're they're no they like that versatility. They like yeah. guys that they can move around the diamond. Mm -hmm. So have they already had that conversation with you about like, hey, uh, do you have a third baseman's glove? Uh, do you have an yeah. outfielder's glove? They they have not really like gotten to that point uh, about it. I think they really want me to focus on catching, mm -hmm. just being able to have like the catching ability at this level in your back pocket is something that a lot of guys in the organization take pride in because if you can hit and you can get the job done behind the plate and win ball games, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, you can't really ask for much more uh, out of a catcher. But like, like you said, like they obviously love to move guys around. So whenever that day comes, if they have that conversation with me, it's whatever I have to do to continue to move and help the team win. If, if, They'd make a move like that. Does that mess with your confidence? Like you're used to being behind the plate. If they all of a sudden put you in the outfield or they put you in the infield and you're not used to playing that. I mean, doesn't that kind of have to mess with your confidence a little bit? I mean, I wouldn't say really the confidence side of things. Um, mm. At the end of the day, you're with the Dodgers. You're going to like, you're going to do whatever you have to do to stay with this organization. It's the greatest organization in baseball and you want to move through this system and you want to debut and be in the big leagues with the Dodgers. Uh, and that's something you have to like, kind of continue to like believe in and trust, like show them that you, you will do whatever you have to do to help LA win games. Cause at the end of the day, it's, I'm saying LA cause obviously that's the end goal, but um, guys are in great lakes and like, <clears throat> you can get very like result oriented. Everybody, is like basically guilty of it you get, you get to the point where you're like oh I'm, I'm doing this or i'm doing that i'm not really successful but you look up at your team score sheet and you're 25 30 games above 500 like you can't really complain it's one of those things like wow we're still winning and things like this aren't going your way or going great whatever uh and i think that's something they really like believe in throughout the whole organization is just having like a winning mentality and part of the winning mentality is you'll do whatever they say to win as many games as possible. Look, Dalton, you're you're on the Canasada here. This is a safe space. You can speak the truth here. You don't have just because you play for the Dodgers, you don't have to say they are the greatest organization. <laughs> no, but when when you get drafted, like what is your mentality there when because the Dodgers are used to having all stars, they have mm -hmm. these stacked teams, and you're just like how the hell am I going to get to the big leagues? Will Smith is having, you know, every year he's super productive. Like, how do you go? How do you not think about the fact that I'm blocked? Because you've already mentioned it a couple of times on this interview. The goal is to be in the big leagues. And we are approaching that time of year right now. 
where it's the mind-numbing trade talk, where people who don't know what the hell they're talking about are already coming out with trade scenarios and stuff like that. Like, to hear your name be involved, they always... It's, you know, prospects. We got to put in prospects. And yeah. or Shohei Otani. You're going to get Shohei Otani? Well, Dalton rushing has got to be in the conversation. <laughs> Do you look at it as like, look, the Dodgers are great. I would love to play for the Dodgers. But I want to get into the major leagues. So if I get traded out of this organization because it's going to help me get to the major leagues, then I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of your job. It's part of baseball. Um and I think, like, from my perspective is the more you worry about that, the more it's going to hurt uh, yourself playing, like, day after day. Uh, if you're sitting here thinking, am I going to be here next month with this organization or not, then odds are you're not going to be successful within that month span. Um, so, like, I guess you could say, like, my outlook is I'm going to play every day. And um, you just have to believe in the Dodgers that they know that your development's going to lead them to – a championship caliber player one day, whatever that may be. Cause I mean, that's obviously what the Dodgers are looking for. Um, they're in the race every year. So, I mean, it's, it's not like they're looking for guys just to fill spots. Um, they're looking for guys that's going to win games. And my job right now is to just show them that's what I intend on doing every day. You mentioned development. And I think that is something the Dodgers are definitely known for. Uh, you see guys uh, that, all of a sudden you've never even heard of. And now all of a sudden they're one of the top prospects and you're like, wow, the Dodgers had him for like less than a year. And they were able to do that. Like what, what is the significance there from college to, to going into the minor leagues? Is it just that the coaching is better or I, I mean, why is their development so good? Um, I think they allow you to be comfortable doing what you love. I think that's the biggest thing I've said it for forever. Uh, I think the Dodgers, every, if you go from directors to regular hitting coaches, everyone, like, they want you to be comfortable. And when you're comfortable, more things are going to go great for you than they're going to go bad because you're enjoying whatever's going on in the moment. And um, I think just like giving guys that comfort on a playing field within the whole organization just allows guys to just continue to enjoy every day. Uh, and another thing we always say is the Dodgers don't draft or they don't sign bad guys. So you're surrounded by a group of great guys that obviously want you to be better, whether they're playing great or playing horrible. I think that's something that's been pretty cool is like other teams will play within the league. Like you'll show, you'll see them show up and they have like no relationship as a team. Like I think every single affiliate that this organization has, everybody's close. Everybody's like hip to hip with each other and they do anything for each other. And I think that, that allows you to play much better baseball and enjoy the game a lot more. You know, the, the Dodgers are known for their analytics. Uh, how, I mean, do you get like giant notebooks of information? Is it, is it ever overwhelming or are you just like that kind of guy where you're so talented? You could just like, look, I see ball. I hit ball. That's all <laughs> I need. Get this, get this shit out of my face. Uh, I mean, there's analytics everywhere in baseball now. Um, I think some of it helps some certain guys and other things can hurt them. Uh, mm -hmm. It just depends on what you want to dig into. Uh, for myself, I, I don't dig into too much like hitting analytics. When I'm facing a pitcher, I don't look at this number or this number anymore. Of course, like there's things in there that can help you like 
have a little better approach. But at the end of the day, like like you said, you got to see the ball, you got to hit the ball. Uh, it's it's you got to keep it as simple as possible, especially playing 130 to 160 in a major league season. Like the more and more you tweak with things, the more and more you change things, the harder it's going to become to adapt and have a great stretch of baseball and get comfortable in a box. You've mentioned it. I, I mean, you that it's a big number, right? Jumping from the number of games that you played in college to right. now what you're playing in the minor leagues. And you had mentioned the Midwest being tough. I mean, yeah. some of those stadiums, I, I, they're, you mentioned they're not hitter friendly, but has your body now gotten used to that routine? Because I think that is something that, especially fans, we don't really take that much into account the grind, the daily grind of playing yeah. every day. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a grind. Everyone knows that. If you look at anyone in the eyes and say, hey, you're going to be playing a full season of 130 baseball games, uh, of course, like, it's going to, like, kind of hit you a little bit. Like, oh, wow, that's a lot of baseball games. But that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, we've, we're have such a great team in the first half. Uh, great Lakes had such a great first la- first half. It was a historic, like, first half of the season for the whole, like, Org and um, I think us being allowed to like enjoy it, even when it was 35 degrees out there and we're sitting in the freezing cold, it's raining, like it sucked at times. But like us winning ball games and like being able to walk walk a game off when it's 35, 40 degrees, like that's what made it fun. And um, if you don't have relationships like that, 130 games can soon feel like 250. You really got to love baseball, right, to play in, in the minor leagues because you guys are traveling from city to city in buses, right? Or are you actually taking oh, yeah. planes? No, it's it's all bus rides here. But luckily, like, the travel in the Midwest League isn't too bad. It's uh, I think our our longest bus ride might be six hours. So, like, that can't really complain too much. I know double leg, it's a little bit longer. But, I mean, still, at the end of the day, I think all the – Today's minor league schedule is much better than in the years past. So uh, they kind of take care of you more and more every single year and uh, trying to, I guess you could say, save the minor league talent a little more. When you were at Rancho, uh, was that the first year that they actually started paying for uh, your guys' housing? Yes, it was. It was. How beneficial, like, had you had any plan going, if they didn't pay for your housing, had you had any plans of like, how the hell, because I've heard stories. We've had guys on the show. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, there's six of us living here. We got air mattresses all over the living room. I'm eating McDonald's every day. And and it's like, you look like a guy who takes care of himself. Like, (laughs) could you imagine eating McDonald's every day? I could not. Um, and that just tells you how much growth minor league baseball has made over the years. Uh, this game was, we all call it the minor league trenches days. So three, four years ago when these guys, like you said, there's six people to a house, two bedroom house, um, you're sleeping on air mattresses. Like that was where like some of your stars of today's major league baseball, that's what they had to live through in the minor leagues. And um, it's, it's eye opening. It's a different world. It's a total different world than what we live now. Uh, they take care of you more than, a lot of jobs on this earth and being able to just do it and be carefree. Cause you know, you have a place to go home and sleep in your own room, your own bed. Like it, it allows things to kind of like, you just enjoy the game of baseball a little more. I I'm sure once you make it to the major leagues, they're going to give you shit about that uh, and sit there and go, man, you didn't go what I had to go through. <laughs> 
So you got to pay your due some other way. <laughs> they have their, they have every right to talk about it like that because <laughs> minor leagues back in the day were, they were something else. Okay, we're going to wrap things up uh, here at Dalton the way we always do on this show. On this show, we're about the Dodgers. We're about Los Angeles, uh, but we're also about the culture. So we're going to end it doing uh, what we like to refer to as our kickback questions. This is a series okay. of rapid-fire questions. If you want to give me a longer answer on it, then by all means, you go ahead and do that. Um, I want to start off first by... I'm if correct me if I'm wrong, but you were born in Memphis, Tennessee, correct? Yeah, like 20 miles right outside, a little north, a uh, small town called Brighton. But I say Memphis because everyone knows where Memphis is. So I know they have a minor league baseball team there, uh, but I feel like that neck of the woods is football country. So yeah. when you were a kid, like why baseball over football or did you do both? I did both up until my senior year of high school. Um I always knew I wanted to play baseball. Uh, it was much different. My, my mom, on the other hand, she she kind of loved football. She looked forward to Friday nights much more than she looked forward to uh, going to the baseball field every night. Uh, what position did you play in football? Uh, earlier on, I was a quarterback up until my sophomore year of high school, and then I played defense, middle linebacker. I played defense growing up as well, all the way up, but I played both sides up until my junior year then played linebacker uh, my junior year and quit after my junior year, just kind of gave it up. So that translates then, huh? The linebacker mentality to the catcher <laughs> mentality. I feel like yeah, those bit. are very simpatico. A little bit. Yeah. You kind of have to be hard nosed, take a lot, whatever it may be. Uh, you take a beating sometimes, but it's kind of just part of it. So you went to college in Louisville. Do you consider <clears throat> yourself more of a Tennessee kid or a Kentucky kid? Tennessee, 100%. Yeah. How, what was yeah. your experience like in, in Louisville? I mean, not just the college and playing, but actually being in that city. Um, it was, it was, I mean, it was a good city, uh, plenty of stuff to do. Of course, like you meet some of your best friends at college. So, uh, I had obviously really good guys that like will forever be my friends. They'll be in my wedding one day. Um, so, like, outside of a baseball world, of course, everybody goes to Louisville to play baseball. Uh, it's a big baseball school. Um, but taking that out outside of things, like, I, I created great relationships with everyone, loved the school. Everyone was friendly, huge athletic department. So you're, com you're not only competing against yourself, but you're trying to be the best, like, sport on campus. So uh, it, was, it was pretty good for myself. Uh, I think it was arguably one of my greatest decisions I ever made. You uh, you had mentioned that you guys had a great first half at the Great Lake Loons. You guys are the first half champions, and uh, I saw you guys had your celebration. When you guys do your celebration, do you ever think to yourself, we are wasting so much beer? Why don't we just drink it instead of pouring it on each other? Uh, 100%, but I think that's just uh, – that kind of comes with the trade-off. Uh, if, if they're going to stroll down that much – and you got to put it to use. You got to celebrate the right way. And um, it's the same way from whether you're in Rancho or you're in Los Angeles. Uh, each and every team is going to take advantage of that celebration. That's something special. It's something you accomplish as a team. Uh, it's something you deserve to be able to, I guess, enjoy every second of. I, I got a chance to look at your social media. And I have to say, are you a social media boyfriend? Uh, I don't know if you understand that term in the sense that 
when you walk around and you see these girls, I want to take a picture. And it's always the guy taking the, the picture of the girl and the girls by herself. But I feel like you're in there a lot with your girls. So no social media boyfriend responsibilities for you. No, she, I mean, she comes in town. She'll, she'll take care of most of the posts. I don't, I don't go out of my way really to post too much unless it was like a big event or I just feel like I haven't posted in six months and I have to make sure people know I'm still around. Um, but uh, do no, they like, talk he, to you guys about that? Because that is part of the game now. Like yeah. I was just talking a, a, a while back. I talked to Mookie Betts. He has his own podcast. And I said, Mookie, yeah. why are you doing this? And he goes, because I feel like people don't know baseball players have personalities. Yeah, talking true. to yeah, you, I, I feel like you have a great personality than other people that we, it's very easy to talk to you. So when you look at social media, do you look at it as a job? This is part of my, my career. Um, at the moment, probably not near as much as I would down the road. Um, mm -hmm. what I think what Mookie Betts is doing, I, I think that's a great thing. Uh, cause like you said, a lot of people don't think that baseball players have personalities cause they think they're like, Oh, I'm this baseball player. I just go out and play baseball every day. You should have to approach me to talk. No, that's that's not how all baseball players are. That's not how a lot of baseball players are. Um, so I think it's really big to like show not only fans but the world that you have an image, like who you are as a person outside of playing baseball. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, for like everyone, I think it varies. Like you could be the same player on the field as you are off the field, or you could be two totally different people. Well, I think it's very smart that you have your girl handling your social media because I'm sure she's the one that tells you, don't post that. Don't. No, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. All right. Two more. Um, we are big fans of what we like to refer to as the male soap opera on this show. Uh, we're fans of wrestling. Uh, in particular, we like to still call it WWF. I know the kids. It's now WWE. Have you yeah. at, en at any point in your life ever been a fan of the male soap opera aka wrestling yes i um <clears throat> i had like a two-year span went through a little phase where i loved like what was it friday night smackdown monday night raw uh mm -hmm. i'm watching that every single week uh loved Rey mysterio loved the undertaker uh john cena of course like everyone loves john cena um but i, I did go through like a little two-year stretch when i was growing up of wwe is what it was at the time uh but yeah, no, I, I've had a little time with it. I don't spend too much on it now though. I, I love that you mentioned Ray Mysterio. So I got, I got to ask you, help us settle an argument here. We, we got invited to a Lucha Libre themed party and we showed up okay. to the party and there was a lot of people, you know, dressed like Ray Mysterio, you know, like Lucha <laughs> Libre. But then there were people that were dressed up in like Hulk Hogan, like the Macho Man <laughs> Randy Savage, which to me, they totally missed the assignment. Yeah. If you got invited to a Lucha Libre party, Dalton, do you show up dressed up as Hulk Hogan at this party? No, I have to order the Rey Mysterio outfit. Right? Yeah, it's that, that's a that's a given. You kind of have to. All right, last one. Uh, we are big fans of tacos here. And so we can't wait for you to make it to, to Los Angeles when you're debuting for the Dodgers because we want to show you all the best taco spots. Okay. But we want you to know, we want to know, are you a fan of tacos? And what is your favorite taco if you are? I love tacos. Um, actually, the best tacos I've ever had. Oh, it's a crazy, so last year in Rancho, 
me and like three buddies, uh, night for our off day, we go out and we go a little closer towards like LA. And so we're heading home. We went shopping or something, just like spending the day out there. So we're heading home and it's, it's like a later night. So probably 1030 at night. And we see this little like stand on the way home, maybe like two miles from, uh, our house in Rancho. And we're like, all right, whatever. We got to stop. Like, got to see we're, we're starving. Like, let's see what the tacos are all about. I could not tell you the name of that place, but those are the best tacos I've ever had in my life. Um, and I'm a huge taco fan. So 100% I'll try whatever taco. What is your favorite taco? What is the protein of choice when you go, or are you a vegetarian? No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> Carne asada, three carne asada, three al pastor. Every oh, time. Look, uh, you you got your go to order, huh? Oh yeah, every time. If I if I'm really hungry, that's my order. Um, most of the time, I'll go two and two, three and three if I'm starving. Those are usually the best places, the places that have no name. You don't remember oh, how it was. Exactly. But you're you're just driving down the road and you just see some random people. And I love how you never question: Is it safe to eat there? No, no. Let's just go. Let's get something there, right? <laughs> Then later yeah. on when you're you're paying yeah. for it. But uh, Dalton, we want to thank you very much uh, for joining us and giving us the time. Uh, we're very excited to see you move up the organization. Uh, we just keep hearing a lot of things about you. Um, where can our listeners, our, our viewers, where can they follow you on the social media so they, they get updates on what your status is? Uh, I think my Twitter handle is DaltonRushing7. Uh, is my Twitter handle and Instagram is Dalton Rushing with a W in between for my middle name. There you go. So there you have it, guys. Follow him and uh, Dalton. Thanks once again for for joining us. Thank you. Really guys. appreciate it. Time. This episode of the Bleed Lose Podcast has been brought to you by BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.